Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10am every Sunday. Peter's just going to come forward, so I'm just going to pray for Peter. <laughs> so Lord, yeah, we just pray um, for Peter. Just pray that as he speaks, that you would give him your words to say and I pray that we would have open hearts and open ears and open minds to receive what, uh, what you've given him this morning. Amen. So, um, we're thinking about children this morning, and I just want to um, just talk um, just briefly um, uh, about children. And I want to start off with um, what Jesus said, because I think that's a good place to start. So, um, in Matthew 18, um, Jesus said this. So, I'm just going to set a bit of context. The disciples have come up to Jesus and they ask him a stupid question. And um, so Jesus, in his usual way, doesn't answer their question whatsoever. Um, And so this is how it goes. Sorry, am I? Okay. Um, About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them, And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So Jesus gives kind of quite a strange response to what is... Um, a question from the disciples that is nothing to do with children at all. It's about heaven. And Jesus says you need to be like a child. So what's it like to be like a child? And I reckon the difference is that children think very differently to adults. And I just want to um, ask what children ask all the time. What do you want to be when you grow up? And they ask, what do you want to be? Now, when we ask as adults, we often say, what do you want to do in the future? We don't ask, what do you want to be? And there's a real difference between being and doing. And children haven't got to the point where they're worried about doing. They're just concerned with being. Just the pure thrill of existence. And children think in that kind of way, very differently from us as adults. When children ask, it's kind of full of promise. It's full of potential. When we're asking what do we do or what would we like to do, it's a lot more constraining than what the children are asking. Now, if you'd asked me when I was young, what do you um, want to be when you grow up, I'd have said, I want to be a doctor. And if you'd said, what do you want to do, I'd have said, I want to go to Africa. And I've become a doctor and I've been to work in Africa, so maybe that means my life is over because I've achieved my childhood dreams. 
And the thing is, it doesn't, does it? Because actually, the state of being a doctor carries on. It's not like, oh, I've done that job, I've done it, the doing is over, therefore, might as well go. No, it's carrying on, because that's actually who I am. I am a doctor. And so we have to think differently. And Jesus says, I want you to be like a child. He wants you to have that wild potential of there's things that you can be, which is very different from the doing. When children ask adults, can this happen? Often the answer is no. You can't because... And there's a good, rational explanation for the child about why they can't do what they would like to do, why they can't be what perhaps they have a dream to be. And the child's response is, but I want to. I know when I was at school, my teacher said, you will never be a doctor, you will never achieve much. And um, so I was determined to prove them wrong. And, um, and so, actually, as, as adults, we can constrain that unbelievable potential that a child has. And Jesus says, let the children come to me. As I've been preparing this, um, a nursery rhyme has been going through my head all week. And so I'm going to share it with you. And it goes like this. Do your ears hang low? Do they waggle to and fro? Can you tie them in a knot? Can you tie them in a bow? Can you throw them over your shoulder like a continental soldier? Do your ears hang low? Now, I didn't sing it for you because that would have been painful. Um, And um, the thing about that is, um, it's a silly song, but it's all about somebody who is very different, that their ears are long enough that they can tie them up or throw them over their shoulder. And I don't know many people with ears quite that big. And um, I don't know how you'd feel if your ears were big enough that you could tie them in a bow. You perhaps would be very self-conscious. It wouldn't be a disability, I don't think, but it would be very, very different perhaps would be your special power that you could tie up your ears in that way. And the thing about children is they don't look at their differences when they're very young in any way that is different from having a special power. Um, I've got a little um, picture which is going to come up on the screen. Uh, Somebody gave this to me, and um, and this is because this is what I'm like. And it says, I'm not difficult, I just see things differently. So, um, sorry, we can have lights. Um, It's all gone dark. Um, And um, somebody somebody bought that card for me because they know that I'm particularly awkward and difficult. Um, If I had a special power, it's probably that I'm a wee bit autistic and uh, I do, um, do things in very particular ways. And um, that's kind of irritating and difficult for a lot of people around me. And that could be seen as something very difficult 
but actually it could be seen as something very special. It actually means that I can do the things that I do. Actually, God has made me like me and given me some peculiarities, a bit like long earlobes, that mean that I can do something slightly different and have different opportunities to those around me. And I wonder, what are you asking God for right now? What are you distressed about? What perhaps are you unhappy about and think it's kind of unjust that I'm like this or this is happening in my life or that I have to contend with that? Because we've all got those things. And we perhaps go to God and we say, I want that to be different. Now, I want you to imagine a young one-legged child. The one-legged child doesn't think, how can I grow another leg? They perhaps will if they grow up with one leg. But their thought is, how can I run faster with my leg? What can I do that is different to everybody else with my special leg. Because the child is not constrained by the thinking that we have as adults. They are as they are, and therefore they will do things the way they do them. Having Jesus in your life doesn't take away your troubles. It doesn't remove them. Jesus doesn't say, believe in me and you will have a lovely, fluffy, rosy life. He says, believe in me. And actually, that when you do, I will change your mind. I will change your perspectives. And actually, your life will be very different. Jesus said about these children in response to... Can we have the first passage back up again thank you Um, he'd said it in response to who is the greatest in heaven now we know from some of the other um, gospels that actually the disciples were wanting to know who's going to sit at your right hand in heaven who's going to sit at your left hand in heaven who's going to have the big thrones effectively and they were expecting that the answer was one of them as his disciples. That was their understanding. We're, we're kind of, we're your important crew, Jesus. And actually, because we're doing the job of being your important crew, surely there's going to be a reward in heaven, which means we get to sit either side of you in the important seats. And Jesus' response is nothing seemingly to do with heaven. He says... No, actually, if you understood it properly, then that wouldn't be your question at all. Actually, if you came to me like children come to me, accept me as I am, don't ask kind of difficult questions, but just come to me. Actually, you're going to get the best seats in heaven. So a really 
upside-down response, which is a typical thing of Jesus, isn't it? He gives an upside-down response to all kinds of things. Now, I think an adult response to the question would have probably come with quite a few caveats, might have come with a contract with a lot of subclauses. Uh, well, if you do this, this, and this, then, um, then you might, but of course, that's only if this also happens too, because that's the way adults think. There's a lot of ifs, there's a lot of buts. And the thing is, Jesus says to the disciples, no buts, no ifs. He says, accept the gift that I'm giving. Believe in me, accept. Simples. Nothing else. There wasn't any doing. It was only being. So I think Jesus says to us this morning as we ask questions about why is life like this or like that, he says, stop with your butts. I want you just to come as a child and come to me and then actually you'll be fulfilled. I don't know if you ever consider what is heaven really going to be like. I was kind of thinking about it this week and I was wondering, will we get ski slopes in heaven? Because I kind of like skiing. It's one of the most freeing things that I, I know to do here on earth. So will we have skiing? And then I just thought, well, maybe I'll be flying. And then actually, because I'm flying, I'll just think skiing's like really, really boring. I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but what I do know is it's going to be mind-blowingly amazing. And I think when we consider that enormity of heaven, the question about where you get your seat is a pretty stupid one. And Jesus knows that. Because he, he knows what it's like in heaven. He'd come from heaven down onto earth. And he's had that experience of heaven. He knows how enormously amazing it is to be with God, to be in the heavenly realm. And the question about where your seat's going to be, just to him, is just like, what are you even thinking? Will it matter whether you're at the back of the crowd or the front of the crowd if it's that amazing? There were people at the king's coronation, weren't there? And they, they, they were stood kind of, I say on the mound, but they were probably like halfway into the park and they were like just trying to get a glimpse. And I'll, they were excited to be there. They'd queued for hours to be there. In some ways, they didn't mind that they were rose back because they got what they were going for. And I think in heaven, there's going to be some mind-blowing stuff going on that means that actually we think very differently from our earthly thoughts. So the disciples had asked the question from a place of earthly desire for significance, for position, for power. And Jesus' response is, but you don't understand what heaven is truly like. The most famous verse in the Bible, um, John 3.16, it 
says, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. There's no ifs and buts in that one, is there? As Jesus is saying that, and he's explaining it, he doesn't give any caveats. There's no ifs, there's no buts. He says, believe, and then this will be the consequence. The consequence is you get eternity in heaven. And he understood the enormity of heaven. And he also understood the enormity of being Christ in heaven, God's son, coming to earth, being constrained in a human body. And he understood the difficulty that that caused him. He understood what pain was going to come as he died on the cross. But he gave no ifs, no buts, no caveats. So I want to encourage you this morning to be like a child. To get excited about what heaven holds. To get excited about where the future will be. And if you don't know what it's like to follow Jesus, if you don't have that concept of a relationship with him, I just want to encourage you this morning, just be like a child and just accept the gift because you won't regret it.